0: and ransom captive right The mourns in lowly exile here, until the Son of God light on us to rise, disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadow put to flight. And rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to true prophet of the Lord And turn the key to heaven's door Be Thou our comforter and guide And lead us to our Father's side By His word our darkness despair. Oh, come, our great high priest, winter see Thy sacrifice our own judgment we no longer fear, Thy precious blood has brought us near, Rejoice, Rejoice, Emmanuel has banished every fear. into all our suffering did every pain and sorrow cease and reign now as our Prince of Peace Rejoice Rejoice Emmanuel shall come
1: I thought that was kind of interesting um, to find out about A Christmas Carol, as a lot of them are Advent hymns. But this morning, as we get ready to go into this, um, into the Advent season, I want to kind of talk about some different aspects of of what's going on and whatnot in the Advent time. Um, But this, in the Advent, as I discussed earlier, is this time that we as God's children, we look back at the first coming. Um, and much, my, much like coming Emanuel, I'm going to look back at Christ's first coming, but also as we look forward to his second this morning. Um, but in the next three, four weeks, we're going to look at some different uh, indestructible truths. Um, the first one this morning, we're going to talk about hope. Uh, then after that, we're going to talk about joy and love and indestructible joy, indestructible truth. Um, and I was thinking about it before I was getting up here, and so I just looked this up, and it's um, Romans 8, uh, 38. It says, I am convinced that there's nothing can ever can never separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears nor for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, And this is an amazing concept. um, Is the fact that what we have is this hope this morning that's indestructible. And we're going to look at this concept for the next three weeks of this indestructible things. And I was really thinking about it this morning. And there's nothing that we know is indestructible, right? I mean, I know this is just a piece of paper, um, but if I took this piece of paper, you know, I can rip it, right? I could take these matches as I can light it, uh, and I think about vehicles, and I think about things of that nature. Everything that we know is indestructible. It's destructible, I mean. Everything that we have, everything that we know of is destructible. We can destroy it. We can make it into little things. Think about a car, you know, you take a car and you wreck it and a lot of times it will go to the junkyard and they'll take it and they'll take it and they'll press it into a box about this big. Everything we have is destructible in this world. But the amazing thing is that when we look at this time of the year and we look at the Advent season, that there's these truths that are indestructible. That no matter what, as Paul was saying in Romans 8, no matter what happens, we can always hold on to these things. And as we look at the songs this morning in Christ alone and O Come Emmanuel and how deep the Father's love for us. What joy do we have in the fact that we can hold on to all of these aspects that, that in Christ alone we have salvation and that in, in, he came to, to not only save us, but to, to provide everything for us. This is an amazing concept this morning. And I love the Advent season, and uh, I'm excited about this next four weeks. I'm excited about the messages we're going to look at. But as we get go into it this morning, um, the, the idea of this morning is the the idea of hope, the indestructible hope. Uh, and if you would, turn with me. We're going to look in Romans 6, 3 through 11 later on. i got some verses I'm going to read in between, um, but that's the main thing we're going to look at is Romans 6, 3 through 11. Um but as we look at the hope that we have in Christ, I want to look at it in the concept of prophecy. Um, because in Advent season, what you have is you have four ca- candles. Uh, no, I don't have the candles here today, um, and I will have them next week. Um, but there's four candles. There's, there's a three purple ones, and there's a pink one. And each week, prior to each week, you light a different candle. And in a little bit, we are going to light a candle in this idea of Advent Um, but it's not the right one. Next week we'll have the right one. Um, But the first candle is the candle of prophecy. Uh, So this morning when we look at the prophecy, I want us to look at it with hope this morning. But before we get into any of it, I want to pray uh, as we look at God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for the hope that we find in Him. We thank You for the hope that we find only in Him, God. And it's because of the love You have. It's because of the love You have for us, God. It's because You wanted to bring glory to Yourself. Whatever the case, God, we thank You for it. We thank You for the salvation that we find in You. And God, as we look at the, the coming of Your Son, the first coming of Your Son, I pray that we look back and we see the hope that the Israelites found and that this morning we realize that we have the same hope. We have the same hope in salvation, and we have the same hope in eternal life. And I pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. I thought I had a sneeze. I'm sorry. Um, that would have been the first time I sneezed when I was preaching, so that would have been cool. All right, but the first thing I want to look at this morning as we look at the prophecies of the birth of Christ is Micah 5, 2 through 3. Uh, and I'm going to look at three different ones, uh, and this isn't something new to us. We know uh, about Christ's birth, and we know that, that he fulfilled these prophecies, but Micah 5, 2 through 3, it says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, I can't pronounce that, I apologize. It says, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of, that, out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel who's going forth and from of old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Micah 5, 2 through 3 is this this prophecy um, where he's prophesying to the Bethlehem and he's expressing that Bethlehem will bore a king. He'll bore the king, the savior. And so the first thing we see in this is that, that, that Christ was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. That's the concept we know that he was born in Bethlehem. The second and third one we find in Isaiah 7.14. It says, uh, Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give to you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The first thing we see is in, in Isaiah 7.14 is that Christ was promised to be born to a virgin woman. And not only would he be born to a virgin woman, but they would name him Emmanuel, which means God among us. And so, uh, and I know these are just three simple prophecies that we find in the Old Testament, but these are the ones that we see fulfilled in Christ. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin. They named him Emmanuel. And these are, these are the things that we find comfort in. But I, I was thinking about Isaiah 9, uh, that Jacob read in verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, and from that for on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy, they rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they are divided their souls. Now I want to start off with looking at verse two. It says the people who walked in darkness. As Jacob kind of expressed to us earlier, that the people of Israel, they their nations, if you look back, and I know we walked through the Old Testament characters not too long ago, we, we, when we ended, we were getting to the point to where they were establishing kings. And when, God, when the people of God desired a king and started establishing their own kings, it was nothing but horrible. Um, there was nothing but oppression. There was, there was casting out. There was, there was these issues that, that we can't even imagine today. There was exile. There was pain. Um, and then I think about right after Isaiah wrote these letters, uh, this letter of his, of his time, about a little bit after all of this, about 400-year span in between the Old Testament and New Testament, as we find this 400-year span to where God did not speak to his people at all. And I, I think when we, when we think about this in our concept today, so often when we think about America, we think that, that we've turned away from God, we've done all of these things, and yes, a lot of that is true, and it may be a dark day, but it doesn't compare to where the Israelites were for those 400 years. God, He, would, he didn't reveal Himself to them at all within 400 years, and, but today it's different. Today we have the Word of God. He's inspired it. He's provided His Son, the Holy Spirit. We, are, we see God today. So it's hard for us to understand the darkness that these people were in during the Israelites' time. It's hard for us to really understand and and to comprehend the pain and sorrow that they were in. But it's one that brought hope when Christ was promised in Isaiah 7, 14 and in Isaiah 9. That God promised his son in this moment and that brought this this hope to them. This hope that they would hold on to. And I, I think about it like this. Think about if you were in their shoes this morning. If you found yourself in exile where let's say any stretch of the imagination China came in, okay? And China came in and they, they dispersed us all over. And this is what would happen in this time period. A nation would come in, they would they would win the battle, and then the people would be dispersed throughout wherever land they had. They would take them. They would sell them into slavery, different things of that nature. And this is what was happening to God's people. was People would come in, they would battle, they would defeat the Israelites, and then they would take them and they would be in exile away from the land of God. Imagine if that's where we were. And we, we, were, we were in that life for, for years and years of our lives. For most of our adulthood, we would, we would find ourselves in exile without hope. And then in a moment like this, a man of God came and He prophesied the birth of a king that would come in and save their God's people. He would save, he would bring a a saving nation and he would provide hope for all of them. What we find is the Israelites, they were hopeless. They, 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 They had no other way out other than this promise that God provided in Isaiah this morning, I know it may be hard for us to understand the lack of hope they had. It's hard for us to understand the situation they were in. But this morning, what I want us to know is that this is what Christ has come for, is to save the lost. See, Luke nineteen nine through 10, it says, uh, I'm just going to skip part of it. It says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. This is the moment where Christ was talking to Zacchaeus and he goes and he he dines with him and Zacchaeus comes to the knowledge of who Christ was and, and Christ gives him a part of what his plan was to seek and to save those that is lost. This morning if you're here and you've come to the knowledge of who Christ is I want you to understand that you were once in the same darkness expressed in Isaiah 9. That, that our darkness, it may not be exile, it may not be bad kings and leaders or nothing of that nature. But the darkness that we find ourselves in today is sin. And that regardless of where we're at, regardless of how good we think our life is or how much money we make, regardless of anything that, that seems happy and joyful, without Christ we are all in darkness. We are all lost and sinful. And we need a Savior and this is the Savior that came over 2,000 years ago. And what we see in all of this is that that we need more than ourselves. We have to have more than ourselves. We have to have a Savior in Christ Jesus. This morning, if you're here and you've never come to the knowledge of who Christ is, then that's where you are today. You are in darkness, that you are sinful and you are needed of a Savior. Romans 3.23 lays it out pretty clear. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. If we are not a believer, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ and you've never come to the knowledge of who He is, then you are in this darkness just like the people before Christ is first coming. But this morning if you're here and you do know Christ and you've come to that knowledge and you've been saved through through Christ Jesus and Him alone, then you've come out of that darkness. Then you have hope this morning. But I want you to know that your hope doesn't end there. Your hope isn't just in salvation. There's a a second coming. Our hope in this world when the difficulties happen, when the hard times happen, we have a hope of the second coming of Christ. We have a hope that he is coming again for his people just like he did the first time. And that's when I get to Romans 6, 3-11. If you would, look at it with me. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death, we were not buried therefore with him by baptism to death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we might walk in the newness of life. When we stop there, I just want to stop and, and pause there for a second. on what he's um, Paul is writing this letter to the the church of Rome, and and he's not addressing Advent, he's not addressing the birth of Christ in this section, he's addressing sin in the church, but in this little snippet of this chapter, what we see is what baptism means, we see what salvation is, and we see the joy that we come from it. And he begins in verse 3, and he says that if you've been baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. And that's what baptize, baptism is, is that Christ died, right? He died on the cross, and when baptism is when we, we are submerged under the water, we are going into the tomb with him, and then when we emerge from the water, we are, it's symbolizing the new man, the new woman of Christ, and we're saved in his, bapt, in his death. And that's what he's saying here, if you've been baptized into his death, do you not know that you were baptized in his death? Then verse 5, says, This is the thing that Christ, he rose from the dead, he, he, he lives today. And that's, the, that's the, the joy of the resurrection that we have, is that, that we have salvation in Christ Jesus. But he goes on in verse 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But if the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead in sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 9, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, He will never die again. This morning, what I want to present in this is that if we have been baptized in His death, and we've been raised in His resurrection, and Christ is not a dead, but He's alive, and He's coming back today, not today, but at some point, then what happens is we have the joy of the resurrection. Just as the verse Jacob read in Acts 1, 10 through 11, what we see is that the, the men, the angels were looking at the men in the Galilee, the disciples, and they were looking up at the ascension of Christ, and they looked down at him, and they said, men of Galilee, why are you looking up? For just as Christ has ascended, he will descend one day the same. That, that if we're here this morning and we've been, if we come to the knowledge of Christ and we have hope of the second coming, And what that means is is just as Paul was expressing in Romans 8, that that no matter what happens in this world, no matter the difficulties, no matter the hard times, there's nothing that can separate from the hope of Christ. That the hope that we find in Him is the hope that we hold on to forever and forever. The difficulties we face here, the hard times, the issues we have, nothing of that can hold us back from what God is going to do at one point. And that is going to come back for us. He's gonna, we're going to spend an eternity with Him. This morning what we see in all of this and is that in Christ's first coming we have hope of salvation. To the Israelites it was this hope in the difficult time of life. It was this hope in their darkness. The hope that, that no matter what that God was going to save them. Today it's the same for us. That, that we have hope in our sin. We have hope in our trespasses. We have hope in our rebellion in all depravity, we have hope in Christ. If you're here and you haven't come to that knowledge, you haven't come to the knowledge of who Christ is, then I pray and my prayer this morning is that God reveals himself to you. Because what we have is we have a hope that, that is indestructible. We have a hope that will last forever. This morning, if you're here and you've come to the knowledge of who Christ is, you've been saved and what I want you to know is that no matter what happens, you have the hope of eternal life. That Christ is going to come back one day for his his children. That, that God's going to send him and, and God's going to save us from this world and death will end and, and, hell will be, and hell will be no more and we'll spend an eternity with God. And that, that we have the hope of his second coming too. That means if it Gets hard in your personal and family life that you can hold on to that hope. That means if persecution, and that means if, if things happen when you do the will of the Lord, there's hope that we find in His second coming. This morning, as we begin to look at the Advent season, I was thinking about Advent, and the Advent, the first day is the, the candle of prophecy. And the candle of prophecy, to me, it speaks of nothing but hope that Christ was prophesied to come, the first coming, and that brought hope to the Israelites. And when we look back to Christ's first coming, then we have hope of salvation. And then when we look forward to the, the second coming of Christ, we have the hope of eternal life. This morning, as we get ready to go in this Advent season, I, I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you something. Two things. One, if you're here... Do you, have you truly, do you truly have the hope of salvation in Christ? Do you truly have that hope? Can you hold on to the hope of salvation in him? If not, I pray that that God will reveal himself to you. The second thing is, do you, if you're here this morning and you've come to the knowledge of Christ, do you hold on to the hope of eternal life in him? Do you hold on to the hope of his second coming? This candle right here, what it represents is the candle of prophecy. And I want to take a moment and express that, you know, you may not be up here lighting this candle with me, but in your, in, in as a church, we're going to light these candles together. And I pray that as we go into this Advent season, that, that you are preparing your heart for the time of Christ. That you, today, that you're beginning to have hope if you're not holding on to that today. That this is a representation of the hope that we have in Christ. And I want to read one more thing. It's Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But the but she was greatly troubled and was saying and tried to discern what sorts of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found a favor with God. And behold, you will be conceived in your room and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the great throne of the father, his father David. And it will reign over the house of Jacob forever. For his kingdom there will be no end. We have hope in this. That Christ came and was born to the Virgin Mary. We have hope that he is going to take the throne of his father David. We have hope that his throne will last forever and will have no end. This morning, are you holding on to that hope? As we take and light this candle I pray that you have that hope this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I come now. And I pray that in my shortcomings and in my difficulties, God, that you remove me and you allow your words to speak to your children. And I just pray as we begin to embark into this time of of Advent, God, that we begin by having this hope in you. I pray that if there's one here that that, or multiple here that doesn't have that hope of salvation that is in you, God, that you reveal yourself to them and you call them by the name. God, I pray that if we're here and we know you and we haven't been holding on to the hope that you have provided and that is something that we forget about, God, that I pray that you remind us this morning that not only do we have a hope of salvation and a hope of your first coming, God, but we have the hope of your second. That you can provide a day where there's no more pain and no more sorrow and that we'll be with you forever. This morning I pray that as we light this candle, even though it's just me, God, we light it as a church, symbolizing that we are going to hold on to the hope that is indestructible.
0: In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are sealed, when striving ceases. My comforter, my all in all Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone, who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, until on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin. On Him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. And there in the ground His body lay, Light of the world in darkness slain, Then bursting forth in glorious day, Up from the grave He rose again, And as He stands in victory, Since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. This is the hope we have no guilt in life. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever ply. Me from his hands till he returns and calls me home here in the power of Christ. I send till he returns, till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I send.